Founders, welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in. All right, founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have the privilege of interviewing Andy Berman, co-founder and CEO of Vowel. Andy is building a world where meetings are searchable, shareable centers of knowledge for your business. Armed with lessons from his time as a VC, angel investor, entrepreneur, and co-founder of Nanit, $13.5 million in funding, and the power of interactive video, he's out to make the future of work as bright as possible. And here to tell us all about his story is Andy Berman. All right, Andy, thank you for being here today, my new friend. Well, thank you for having me. We are so excited to talk with you. And where we're going to start is where we always start, which is just a little bit of your origin story as a founder. So tell us, how did you get into what you're doing today? Sure. So I have a pretty atypical founder story. Um, I started my career in venture capital. I worked at Norwest Venture Partners. It's one of the oldest and largest venture funds out there. And hmm. we did a lot of stuff in video while I was there. Um, they were very interested in video conferencing, video infrastructure. And I knew very quickly, I wanted to be a founder. Uh, I just didn't know what. So I ended up going to business school. And about a year after going to business school, I started my first company. And that business is a business called Nanit. Today, okay. Nanit's the leading baby monitor in the market. We track breathing, we track sleep, we track movement. We do it all from a video feed using a technology called computer vision. Wow. We stream pentabytes of video a day and Google Ventures let our last financing round. Um, Come on. Yeah. What year, what year did that, did you start that? I started that in 2014. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that the technology was available to do that in 2014. We were very, very early on computer vision. My partners had a PhD in machine learning and computer vision. Okay. So yeah. you're at a venture capital studio. You know that you want to do something in this field. How did you stumble across baby monitor being the thing? So it's actually a funny story. We had looked at other type of IP cameras and other business models. And I just had this belief that there was a natural market for analytics on video. And mm. this was the early days of what people call AI today in computer vision. And so I said, there's got to be a way to add an analytics layer. And then we started looking around at what type of markets. And I was introduced to my co-founder and he had this background in computer vision. And we said, okay, baby monitor seems like a very interesting category. He had just had his second child and we started the company and we, wow. we built our own hardware. We built our own software. And today uh, it's a leading brand. Uh, we lead the category. Holy cow. Well, if I know anything, I know that in the telling it sounds like a quick A to B. Hey, we had this idea, we jumped on it, and now we're leading the category. Uh, but in reality, it probably wasn't like that. Was it Was it as smooth as that or no? No, it's never as smooth, smooth <laughs> as that. Anyone who tells you that is lying. Um, yes. Starting a company is not up and to the right. Starting the company is like climbing a mountain. You're going to go climb Everest. There are a bunch of checkpoints. There are a bunch of base camps. First, mm. you got to get to base camp one. Then you got to get to base camp two. Then you got to get to three and then maybe you'll get to the summit. 
That's what starting a company is like. And that's what starting Nanit was like. We had to prototype our hardware. We had to find a contract manufacturer. We first started with one manufacturer, then we switched to another. We had to overcome a lot of engineering challenges on the hardware and on the mm. software. And then we had to execute on go-to-market. So building a brand and building a product that consumers love. Along the way, we had to fundraise. We fundraise. We had to raise from a bunch of different venture capital firms. And we had to get people to believe in our vision of the world that was going to be true. And so far, we have executed on that vision. And I'm no longer involved in day-to-day at Nanit. Um, I've started another company, Vowel or Vowel.com. Okay. Out of all of those things, which of those were the most challenging or maybe even represented the thing you thought you might not be able to get through? Making consumer hardware and making a software experience that feels like Apple made it is the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Interesting. Dealing with real-time communication, and I'm somebody who's spent the last 15 years focused on real-time communication, is incredibly difficult. The internet wasn't designed to stream to stream audio and video. The mm. internet was designed to serve. And so getting the technology right building consumer grade hardware, scaling manufacturing. Well, there's a reason there aren't a lot of startup consumer electronics companies today. And then you had to build a brand that people loved. So how did y'all, how did y'all go about solving that problem? Which part? Well, first on the technology side, a lot of grit, uh, a lot of late nights, a lot of time spent in a factory. Uh, waiting for the electronics to come, waiting for prototypes to come, and a lot of can-do attitude and knowing that we, we couldn't fail, that we had to be successful. Mm. Um, and the product continues to get, in, get better and better and to the point where it became just an incredible experience for the end user. And if you ask people about the product, they rave about it. They love it. Yeah. Well, it also represents just the category it is, is an inherently meaningful space. I've got three young kids. If you're providing something that is helping me, even just with peace of mind about how my child is doing and also giving me useful information, like I can imagine if that product is good, you're going to have raving fans. Totally. And I think you told me before the episode starts that you travel a lot. And so for the, for the mother or father who's in their office eight to 10 hours a day, you're on the road. This is how they watch what's going on with their family. This is how mm. you get connected to grandma and grandpa. Uh, and it's also how people who are across time zones, across cities, just stay up in contact with their family. And people have high affinity to that. And it, the, the way people were staying in touch and watching what was going on at home was one of the reasons that started to get me thinking about just what I could do next and whatever opportunities there were out there. So one of the questions I have, this may be a slight detour, uh, but I'm super interested right now is what OpenAI just released with its chat GPT. Is that what it's called? Yep. What is going on there? How does that impact us? How does that impact you? Tell me a little bit about that. It's very interesting. So what OpenAI released is basically a product built on top of generative AI. And generative AI is you give a computer a prompt and it'll be inter- it's interesting to see what they respond with. Yeah. Why it's so interesting is it's the first, pro- it, they've trained it on most of the internet 
and this massive data source. And people are starting to use it as a maybe a search engine. And folks are wondering now, is this the first time it's ever somebody's going to be able to challenge Google? I don't have an opinion on that, but I think it's super interesting. And <laughs> we built Nanit using computer vision. We developed it before technology called deep learning was really available, and we've scaled with the technology. Mm. And why it's so interesting for me at Vowel is we had always built Vowel with this premise that AI was going to get there. And it got there much faster than I ever expected. So what does Vowel do? Vowel turns, Vowel is a video conferencing platform that makes it so that you can, it turns your meetings into shareable, searchable knowledge that's instantly available the second the meeting's over. So wow. before the meeting, everyone gets to contribute to a shared agenda. So no one's ever... No one ever walks into a meeting and doesn't know what's happening. During the meeting, we have a collaborative notepad. We have automatic transcription. And so you, you no longer need to have multi, a, a, Google, a Google Meet window open or a Zoom window open and a document. And we also have a live transcript. So if you, if you stop paying attention for a couple seconds, you know exactly what happened. And some really other neat features that reduce fatigue in meetings. But the mm. magic and what my customers love is what happens after the meeting's over. And instantly you have this repository of information. You have search. You have the com anyone who is in on the calendar invite gets access to the meeting instantly and is notified. And so mm. if you're, someone's in New York and they want to have a meeting, you no longer need to worry about the folks in California if they just need to consume and know what's going on. And so it really helps teams push work forward. And my customers call time travel. They think of it as magic. And what's happened in this AI world is with generative AI, we're able to give you a summary right after the meeting ends. And that's something we're going to ship next year. Wow. We're automatically able to detect any action items and send them to Asana or Jira. And there's just so much interesting stuff that we can do because we have all the context and all the data that I just didn't see coming. And so what OpenAI is doing is amazing, and I am excited to be a beneficiary of it and include, it, include some of this magic in my product for my users. And for your folks, if, if they haven't checked this out, I mean, we have a coupon code available to anybody here, and it's um, 5,000 startups. So if you go to val.com and you sign up, we're going to give you three months free with this coupon code 5,000 startups. Uh, Wow. And I mean, I hope your user base comes on board and checks out what we're doing because we've, we believe we're creating the future of work. Yeah. Well, if they're listening to this, they're in the work world. They are in the middle of what you're talking about. And I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be jumping on this because any way we can do this better, smarter, more efficiently, less exhausting is obviously going to be a game changer. And so what sounds amazing about the AI element you all are adding into this is the intelligent side of it. Meaning like, all right, it's one thing to be able to build the capability like you have to get the transcription going and get some of these features available. But if you're saying you could program in there that it could comb itself the meeting notes and pick out the important topics or themes, that's intelligence in my mind, right? Like that's like knowing what it's looking at and able to summarize it for you. And that would be so immensely helpful. That's amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, our goal, our goal is to make meetings better and more inclusive. And one of the ways making it more inclusive is to make it so that everyone knows what happened after the meeting's over. 
And yeah. honestly, my goal here is to make you look like a superhuman and wow. make you be the best employee ever. So you miss the meeting and you get the TLDR on the Slack channel. Today, uh, we're doing, we have ways for the user to do it manually, but internally we're testing this now. And I hope mid next year, uh, the your, your users will be using this. Wow. So what's, what's funny to me, I was watching just the different use cases of people playing with the chat. And, you know, one was this person said, tell me, or yeah, tell me a love story about a turtle, uh, and a frog. And they read the story and it was shocking. Like the story made sense, had all the components that a human would put into a story. And it was not clunky. Like it was like, it was like somebody actually tried to write a real plot with a beginning, middle, and end around a frog falling in love with a turtle. But then I saw on the other side, someone said, hey, give me a code for making my webcam be able to do, record me and do this, that, or the other. And it spit out a code. He went and then tried to implement it, had some issues, and then it spit out, if you have issues, try this. He did it and it worked. Like, that is wild to me. So are companies like yours or designers, whatever, are they going to be able to use something like OpenAI to say, here's the problem we're trying to solve, and we can just use this machine learning to help us solve or write that code? I think to a degree, yes. It's not just OpenAI. There's a lot of other players out there. Okay. And there's a lot happening. And my goal is to revolutionize the way you do work. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot of changes coming over the next couple of years. And there's going to be a lot of cool things introduced. Maybe you saw what was going on on Instagram this weekend where everyone has a new avatar and that's using a generative AI model. Huh. Uh, that's on, that's not a text-based model, but that's very much based on images. Is that the AI art that people were talking about or something? Exactly. You've seen all those ah. pictures in your Instagram feed. I don't know how to take advantage of it, but I've seen people doing it. <laughs> so there are, there, there are some that. really cool apps out there. Okay. Got it. But you're seeing a whole revolution. Yeah. Um, how good it'll be is anyone's guess. But for somebody like me who makes a product, it's my product is going to get a lot better over the next year. Wow. And work's going to change a lot. So it sounds like things are going to be accelerating faster than we, we assumed. You never know with this type of stuff. Um, but I believe so. Yeah. Um, everyone said we'd have self-driving cars by now. We don't have self-driving cars. True. So if it continues on this pace, yeah. Um, it is a very interesting ball game. But I mm. think for our user base, even right now, they get instant searchable, shareable knowledge. They get a, they get a transcript. And what, what's transcript so good for is you can search across all your readings. You can search across all your notes. So for somebody who's in, I think I saw a stat that the average worker, the average person spends nine hours a day on video now. Um, and that. that includes TikTok, that includes YouTube, but that includes video meetings. So if you're doing five back-to-back -back meetings and you can't remember what the notes are, well, you go to Vowel and you can search. And then next year you can start using more of our integrations in tool in, in some of amazing product tool, productivity tools that we're going to bring live. Wow. Can we do this on there on Vowel? Can we do a podcast on these? We could have done a podcast on Vowel. We That'd definitely can. You should try it. Because again, I, part of it for me is I'm trying to record notes as I go and remember things I want to put in the show notes and whatever. Like that'd be cool if there was something behind the scenes that was just doing that for me. 
So if you check out our Future of Work series, we did that on Vowel ourselves. We don't really focus on the podcast market, but it's definitely a use case that people can use it for. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not your main, it's not your main use case, but it's something that would easily fit in there. No, my main use case is for her, you to drive, to use it to, uh, to push work forward and to run your company on it so that you never forget what happened. And you look as a, as a knowledge worker, you look amazing or what as a business you, owner, you know, what's going on. What was the difference? Startup two versus startup one. Like what were some of the differences you noticed from having, you know, founding Nanit to now founding Vowel and pushing both of those forward? It's easier. I mean, hmm. it, it's like riding a bike. You sort of learn how to do it. You're going to make different mistakes. You make mistakes in every company. I, I think I learned, I think I read somewhere that it, what, what's a great leader is somebody who makes decisions. Um, and as a CEO or as a business owner, you got to make, you, you have tons of decisions to make every day. The question then is, do you get, are you good at making those decisions? But no matter what, you have to make decisions. Mm. And as a second time founder, capital is easier to, it's easier to get capital. Um, I have an amazing investor network. Uh, I have your hometown hero, the CEO of Calendly is an investor. Yeah. The SVP of design is Slack at Slack as an investor, the co-founder of some just incredible, amazing companies. And I didn't have that as a first time founder. I was introduced to them as a second time founder. I have incredibly supportive investors who believe in my long-term vision. Um, and I just have an, an amazing team in, and I just had access to all this. My first yeah. time around, we had grit and that was why we were successful. And also we found a market that, and delivered an amazing product. Uh, I'm a product founder. I try to deliver the unexpected and delight. And mm. that's very hard to do, but when it works, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, the product market, from what I've found, it can be an incredibly hard market to succeed in. What have you found or what have you learned? I mean, two you have two wildly successful companies, both in technology and product. Um, that's probably too vague of a question, but like I don't not every company I'm on here am I talking to actual technology and product, and you've been successful in both. How do you how do you how do you uniquely survive in that category? Is it the delight factor? Like Man, are you really creating something that truly delights people? Like, what are the different ways you think about it? It has to feel like magic. It has to be delight people. You have to have a great brand. Hmm. Um, people have to connect with your product. It has to become emotional. And it has to just feel amazing. Yeah. And why we started going after the video conferencing market is because what I've seen throughout my career is Nanit, we had a large team across the world. And it's very hard to get everyone to collaborate and get everyone on the same page. And that's my goal. Um, so that you can make distributed work or time zones, a competitive advantage. And I think one of the big things we just kept seeing was how hard it is to get everyone on the same page, how hard it is to push work forward. And whether you're mm. a project manager, a product manager, an engineer, a CSM and boarding a customer and trying to transfer that knowledge. It is, it's very hard to take information and make it consumable and instantly shareable. Yeah. Um, and I just saw what tools like zoom were doing and they made the audio better and the video better, but they didn't actually innovate on the core product. Mm. And that's what we're trying, we're doing. 
And that's what our customers come to us for. Interesting. Yeah. Like- Instant, searchable, shareable, clippable knowledge. The second the meeting's over. Yeah. Man, what do you think? Or uh, let me take a different tact on this. How are you all experiencing the kind of current climate of technology right now? And, you know, there's a ton of big players that are having to lay off a bunch of people and a lot of tightness on the wallets, right? Where when it comes to investors, and it's just an interesting market right now. Are you guys free from it? Are you being impacted by it? Like, whatever you feel comfortable sharing. I don't expect you to let me in on the inner details, but how are you guys experiencing that climate right now? I, I would be lying if I said no one was impacted by this. Obviously, we've seen a shift in the macroeconomic. Um, yeah. One of the beauties of Val and somebody, one of our customers had, has raved about this on Twitter is, I think we replaced something like $150 of tooling spend per u- per person per year. So they mm-hmm. were able to cut 170 bucks per employee. So if you're out there and you're sitting there, how do I tie it in my belt? We're one of the great companies. That doesn't include any of the productivity gains. Being in meetings is some of the most expensive time we have in an organization. We all spend so much time in these meetings. And if we can cut that down, well, then an organization can save money and then you can reduce the number of layoffs. Yeah. Um, and so obviously the macro impacts everything. You have to watch costs. You still have to grow. Um, but I hope that I'm able to provide value to my customers and provide them cost savings while delivering this amazing product experience. Do you lead the business in a different way in a, in a season in a market like this versus when the season in the market is money's flowing, you know, the dollar's great. And like, what's the different way that you lead the company during a season like this? I don't lead it differently at all. Really? I am, no, I, I, I always, I always think about the world as capital is not plenty. I always think about the world as how can we be lean? Mm. Um, I lead with the Amazon type mentality. Um, that's just who I am. That's how I was trained. I worked at Lehman brothers, my first job out of college. Uh, I was there in 2007. In 2008, we went bankrupt. Mm. And I saw a lot of people laid off. And that had nothing to do with spending, but I lived, that was my first job through the the Great Recession. And so it's shaped the way I think about work. And I always believe capital is not going to be plentiful. And so I always try to build an amazing product for my end, end user. Okay. That sounds fascinating. Tell me about that philosophy. What does that, what does that mean practically? I mean, practically it means just don't spend money on stupid things. (laughs) Just be basically responsible. (laughs) I think there's something that any business owner can do to any business over any founder can do today. Go start with zero cost budgeting, sit there and say at the beginning of the year, defend every, defend all the spend you have out there. It's normally used more in bigger organizations. But if you're a founder coming into 2023, have your leadership team look at their PL and sit there and say, okay, what am I spending on? And why do I need this? Mm. And you'll very quickly realize you're spending thousands of extra dollars on software tooling. Yeah. Uh, you, you may have spent, you, you may have duplicate software licenses, i.e. two teams are paying for the same product. You may be using software that can do the same functionality. And maybe you have other expenses that you just don't want to carry forward. And that's a much better way of doing things than 
having to do large layoffs. Mm. Obviously, sometimes you get into an economic climate where that's required as as a leader, but that's typically something you don't want to do. Yeah. And so I try to keep costs down and I try to keep it rational so we so we can mitigate that. Mm. I like it. Common wisdom in an uncommon time where it feels like that's part of what's going on. I know there's a lot of variety, a lot of factors, but huge, crazy evaluations, tons of spending, tons of overhead, all that kind of stuff feels like it's getting, you know, the over leveraged position is in a sense getting exposed. Is that part of what you see as well? Yeah, it is. Um, I, I, it's what is, what is something worth and no one knows that anymore. Hmm. I think if you're a founder and you're starting a company, if you keep your valuation low and you get a product and you get into product market fit today, you're in a great place because you started when capital wasn't plenty. Um, if you're a later stage founder and you're series D or series E and you have a very high multiple, it's a harder place to be. And yeah. you were, you had these unicorn valuations and what we've said to Pete, what I've continually said to people who are looking for jobs is you want us to go to earlier companies today because most likely their valuation is going to be lower. And so there's the inflection point for you, but also they probably have less risk in their business model and their investor base. Mm. They don't have to hit a grand slam just to be able to live up to the valuation, right? Like or they don't have 5 million in revenue and they're worth $3 billion. Yes. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, what, do, just outside of this, again, I just like to get perspective from people in different industries and stuff. Do you have a, a, a hunch or an opinion of how long it's going to feel this way before things seem to right themselves or, um, seem to kind of pull its way out of the recession type feeling? I think it's all up to the fed. I think mm. you have to see the fed pause rate hikes, which are determinant determined by inflation. So inflation needs to start moderate and needs to continue to moderate. Yeah. The fed needs to slow down their rate increases or pause. And hopefully that gets better in second half of next year, but it's a very much a macroeconomic question that's driven by inflation. What are the components of inflation? Well, it's gas and gas, rent, food, so when those start, when, when we start to see moderating inflation, the Fed will start moderating their interest rate increases and we'll start seeing a better macro outlook. Hmm. It's, a very yeah. unusual, it's a very unusual time that we haven't really lived in. We've lived in times when it was really bad, but most of us haven't been alive through inflation uh, in America. You've seen this consistently outside of the U.S. Yeah. Uh, so if you, you've got any emerging market has seen this. Yeah. That's why I feel like I, I, and many people don't know what to think about it. We're like, what is this thing? And when does it stop? And does it go, does it go back down? Is this a new normal? Like, I don't know what to do with that versus the housing crisis and 08 and all that kind of stuff. Like once you found out it's surprising at first, but once you found out what was happening, it was kind of like, oh, okay, like we got to just survive this time and then it'll self-correct and let's avoid making that mistake again. This one, I don't really know what's going on, you know? Well, you can ask your parents and your grandparents. They've lived it. It was the early '80s, I think, uh, the end of Carter and early of in the early Reagan years hmm. are when you saw the Fed have to have had to significantly increase interest rates to fight inflation. 
And what happened was they significantly increased them, inflation went down, and they started cutting. Uh, and that's when the economy got better. Interesting. Uh, okay, I know we're getting kind of close on time here. What I'm curious about is what most excites you right now for where Nanit or even or especially Val, because that's the one you're more day to day in. What excites you most about leading that company and what's ahead of you for the future? Sure. I mean, I, I couldn't be more excited about where Val is. I mean, you get to see, I get to see it on Twitter and that's been one of the primary places we interact with our user base about how much they love. There was a great tweet the other day of, from someone who said, I've never paid for Zoom, but you got me to pay for Val. And they paid for instant tra transcription, search, and just the knowledge that they had across their company. And it's something I've never met before. I, I believe they're based in Australia, but it's huh. just so incredible to see our users adopting our tool, paying for our tool and the and scale. And so I'm pumped for 2023 because we have a lot of magic that we're going to ship towards the mid of, middle of this year. And we want to take advantage of some of the, uh, take advantage of what's some of the stuff that's going on in generative AI. Wow. I love it. Andy, thank you for your time. Listeners, please go check out Vowel. Is it just Vowel.com? Is that where we send them? Vowel.com and then the coupon code for your listeners so they can get uh, three months free. It's uh, 5,000 startups uh, with an S at the end. So S-T-A-R-T-U-P-S. -T -T and if you got babies at home, check out Nanit. Andy. And that's Nanit.com. Thank you for being here, my friend. This has been a fantastic interview and I really appreciate your time. Well, thank you. You're, this was awesome. This was super fun. Good. Founders, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.